the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. I see my name in shiny lights, yeah, a different city every night, oh, I, I swear, the world better prepare for when I'm a billionaire. It's time to get down to business on the weekend's number one business program. Known as the king of networking, your host, Shalom Klein, has worked with thousands of entrepreneurs and created countless jobs. So, to success, let's get down to business. And indeed, we're all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship and business. We talk a lot about business here. You're on with Get Down to Business. And I'm your host, Shalom Klein. Remember, you can always download podcasts from Get Down to Business on my website, at ShalomKlein.com. And while you're there, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at ShalomKlein. It's going to be a jam-packed week of content and information you will not want to miss, so let's jump right in. I'm so thrilled to be joined by Raghu Bala, who is the NetObjects CEO. And uh, Mr. Bala was previously an executive with Yahoo, Infospace, PwC, and with three successful startup exits. So he knows a thing or two about business. Very, very excited to have this conversation. Raghu, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, it's a pleasure. So you have become quite the expert, my friend, in a number of things that I think are very, very hot topics right now. And that includes um, blockchain and cryptocurrency. These are, uh, these are important topics. So I have to ask just the very simple question, as I always do in getting to know our guests. How did you sure. become passionate about this topic after uh, such a successful in, uh, career in, in so many other uh, industries and businesses? So I've always been uh, sort of at the forefront of technology throughout my career and uh, always experimenting with what's uh, the latest. And so every time I've uh, started a business and sold it, uh, the next business that I I start usually happens to be at the forefront. I've never tried to do, (laughs) maybe not uh, taken the the path, uh, the easiest path. I've always been at the bleeding edge. And uh, what happens in technology especially is once you're on the bleeding edge, you can create premium. Um, because if you do something that everyone else is doing, the premium for what you're trying to build in terms of product or service is not as much as if you're up in the front line. But the issue is the the, the customer base is small when you're in the front line. So you have to be a bit patient and build your business slowly. And, uh, and and as a result, uh, you know, over time, I've always um, kept up with technology and, and blockchain and crypto and metaverse and this uh, Web3 technologies is what we call it, is uh, something that I've been working on for several years now. And uh, yeah, so, so I've, uh, you know, I've always been passionate about technology. I've always been passionate about what I do. Um, and, and I don't look at it as work. I look at it as actually fun. <laughs> fun to be honest so well that's always great when you could have fun in what you do um so i want to talk about really all of those topics that you just brought up um but interestingly i saw something that that you've uh, written and that you've talked about in the past in uh leveraging blockchain 
in aiding in the fight against COVID and certainly, uh, you know, right now, certainly uh, monkeypox is in the news right now. How are those two topics connected? How can blockchain and the most recent pandemic um, be connected? So actually, we set out to build a product which eventually uh, we, we used uh, for about 10,000 people daily. And it was recently uh, taken over by another company, uh, this, this product. Uh, what it did was it was for COVID tracking in the hospitality industry. And, um, and, and basically, one of the things that blockchain provides, unlike many of the uh, traditional technologies, uh, is that it provides transparency. And so, so in the sense that data is not um, stored in a centralized location, it's decentralized. And uh, of course, we have to guard the privacy of, of people, but multiple stakeholders can use the data in order to um, uh, improve uh, the quality of service. And in this case, with uh, the, in the case of healthcare in general, COVID or otherwise, it's all about all the stakeholders, whether it's the hospitals, the pharmacies, the patient, the doctor, uh, insurance companies, and everyone sharing the same information at the same time, and also being HIPAA compliant and so on. And um, so, so that was the use case that we pursued with this particular uh, application around uh, COVID, uh, which we call COVID pre-auth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So that's really, really interesting. So again, we've been chatting with Greg Obala uh, in uh, talking about how uh, leveraging blockchain can aid in the fight against COVID or certainly be involved in, in healthcare. But Greg, one of the things that comes up frequently when we're talking about anything new uh, is uh, regarding data and security. But I know you make the case that blockchain is actually improving data availability and security and flexibility. How is that the case? So blockchain itself is uh, cryptographically secure. So data that is stored is um, assigned using, uh, you know, cryptographical keys and so on. So in that sense, it's it's a secure storage, even though it can be accessed by multiple parties. Uh, and and there are different flavors of blockchain, obviously public chains, private chains, and so on. And so, and so, uh, you know, depending on the use case, primarily in healthcare, it tends to be more permission of private chains as opposed to putting it out there for the public because you're talking about uh, personally identifiable information and so on. And uh, the, the goal is no one party can uh, change or fudge information in any, any way. Um, it's uh, all protected. And, um, and uh, in that sense, it's, it's um, a trusted source of uh, uh, data as opposed to, let's say, in the last few years, we have seen various cases where, um, you know, I'll just mention two of them. One was the case of Facebook, another one was the case of Wells Fargo. So Facebook, um, you know, was uh, actually censured by, uh, by uh, various authorities because they were mining data, uh, yours and my data that they were collecting and, and using it for, you know, various purposes, which, you know, uh, breach certain privacy laws. And the second one was with Wells Fargo, where they were actually creating fake accounts. And, and this is all public information. I'm not, you know, uh, slandering mm-hmm. anyone, but um, it's, uh, so, so they were creating fake accounts and so on. And in the names of people and, and you know, to boost commissions, uh, managers within the company were doing that. So, 
so these are examples where big companies who we trust with our data, our information, whatnot, and and now they they are doing some strange things with it, and and the whole one of the these the the sort of cornerstone principles of of blockchain technology is the data is ours. It's not uh, a particular you know company's uh, uh, owned data, and we can all share in it, and if necessary. We have permission to even look into what's being collected and so on. And all of us have come across various cases where, you know, I've come across where credit bureaus have got wrong information on me. And after I, I dig around and find out that, you know, they recorded something incorrectly or something has to be corrected, that impacts your credit scores and things like that. So, so, so a lot of information that's been collected about us, we actually don't know. Uh, what is in these databases, how it's impacting our insurance rates or uh, various other aspects of credit scores or whatnot. So, so blockchain as a whole, uh, you know, sort of area of technology uh, attempts to try to solve that problem, actually. So. Sure. Again, I'm chatting with Mr. Agobella, um, NetObject CEO, um, who previously was an executive with Yahoo, Infospace, um, PwC, and uh, several other companies. Uh, uh, successful uh, startup exits, um, and I know uh, Rago, you have been a uh, coach, a teacher, and many things relating to artificial intelligence. So, just as we come to a conclusion in our conversation, you know, if, I, I always lo- love to leave our small business owners, entrepreneurs, with a tidbit of information. And so, if you can give them the the thirty second answer of why is blockchain so important to them, to a small business owner, to an entrepreneur, what's what would that be? Uh, I think, you know, for small businesses, I don't uh, foresee them um, starting their own chains or things like that. They most likely would be participants in storing information on chain. And crypt- uh, cryptocurrency and so on, you know, are in the media all the time. And and that's just one use case of blockchain. Actually, blockchain can be used for a number of different purposes, uh, including like the ones we just talked about, healthcare information. It could be for academic credentials. It could be uh, any any time you have a, a case where you have an ecosystem of people wanting to see the same information at the same time in a pristine format without being uh, painted in any way and it's trustworthy, uh, that's where blockchain can be of use. And, um, and so small business owners, I would say that whenever they have an opportunity mm-hmm. to embrace it, it would be good because ultimately that's how we are going to um, change how uh, our data is being uh, stored and, and, and captured and so on. Currently, yeah, the status quo is, um, is and it's not ideal. So. Well, I want to send people over to your website. Uh, Raghu, can you uh, share how we can get in touch? Sure, it's uh, netobjects.com, N-E-T-O-B-J-E-X, netobjects.com. Uh, and, um, and there's a box where you can fill out uh, contact information and so on, and then you can reach us there. Fantastic. Well, Raghubala, thank you so much for joining us. I encourage all of our listeners to check out netobjects.com. Uh, appreciate you sharing your expertise, and I look forward to bringing you back on real soon. Raghubala, again, we'll be squeezing a quick break here and get down to business. More small business jobs and entrepreneurship when we return in just a moment. And 
back and get done business. The show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurs, speaking on my website, shalomcline.com, to download the past eight plus years of shows um, with amazing entrepreneurs like our next guest, and that's Jotham Stein, who is the principal of the law offices of Jotham Stein uh, PC. He has more than 25 years of experience representing entrepreneurs, C-suite executives, board members, venture capitalists, private equity principals, investment bankers, as well as employees of companies of all types and sizes. Jotham, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me on your show, Shalom. Absolutely. Such an honor. So um, you have uh, quite a background uh, in, as I just said, helping executives and entrepreneurs protect themselves in the corporate world. How did you get into that field? And I know you're not just in the field, you're passionate about it so much so that you wrote a book. But more on that in just a moment. But why did you, uh, why did you go into law and specifically this area of the law? Well, I wound up in this field totally by accident. I worked at the big firm in Palo Alto, which is now a national, uh, an international law firm. And uh, after a couple of years, hung out my own shingle. And um, a lot of the people there knew that I was a good lawyer, and they started to send me their individual clients because big firm wants to represent the companies, wants to represent the, the venture capital uh, funds, not the individual so much. And one thing led to another after uh, 25 years, I've represented um, so many um, entrepreneurs, so many executives, so many small and large business owners um, that I can't even count. Oh my goodness. So as I mentioned a moment ago, um, you are the author of Executive Employment Law Protecting Executives, Entrepreneurs and Employees, which is a how-to guide for practitioners, but you have a brand new book, which I'm fascinated by this topic, Negotiate Like a CEO. Um, where you try to teach, where you do teach, how all employees can protect themselves with lessons learned from top entrepreneurs and executives and how they can uh, apply that. So I know the book is about learning from some of the examples that you've seen in your practice and that you've, that you, you know, from amazing people that you've had the good, the good fortune to learn from. Can you provide some of the uh, major lessons learned um, that uh, people can find and negotiate like a CEO? Sure. Each one of the small business owners and entrepreneurs that you've helped over the years and that listen to your show need to protect themselves vis-a-vis uh, -vis their uh, investors, vis-a-vis uh, -vis, um, people there might be partners with, uh, with respect to um, contracts they enter into. That's the most important thing they can do. My book uh, discusses how to do that, what to look out for, and especially entrepreneurs and small business people that are taking in investors as an example, they have no idea. They don't learn what the investors know. They don't learn what those documents, um, how they can protect an investor unless you know how to protect yourself, the entrepreneur or small business person. And um, my book discusses all of those things because they, they don't teach this stuff. They don't teach it in business school and they don't teach it in the school of hard knocks even. Um, the school of experience until, unfortunately, an entrepreneur or a small business person has been taken advantage of uh, the first time or been uh, mistreated uh, the first time, and then they don't let it happen again. Well, my book um, helps the entrepreneur, helps the small business person protect themselves in the very beginning, talks about things they, they don't think about, and um, once they read the book, they'll think about it and know how to protect themselves if they want to do so. Sure. So... Uh in the book, you emphasize um, that it's not just for senior executives, but really for everybody that's out there. So a lot of our listeners are just getting started, folks that are just establishing their first business. And, you know, I, I'll tell you, I really like that title, Negotiate Like a CEO. Everybody wants to do it. Everybody wants to 
establish themselves and operate even when they're in that entry level phase and operate as if they are, you know, that larger company too. What is that one bit of advice, the one thing that they could put into practice as they get started? And again, I'm not asking you to share all the secrets of the book because we want people to pick up, negotiate like a CEO, but what's that one lesson learned? The one lesson learned is if you're going in as a beginning employee uh, and you have any leverage at all, do your best to protect yourself on day one, just like CEOs do. Uh, what they do, a CEO does, is pick, particularly in an at-will employment state, of which most states are, is they enter into a contract, call it an offer letter, call it an employment agreement, uh, that essentially sets out their separation and exit pay, exit benefits, exit stock, uh, before they even begin. Uh, if you're an entrepreneur going in, uh, starting your own company, you need to do the same kind of protection, but you need to do it with respect to your to the to any investors you might be taking in, any partners you might be joining up with, even if they're family members, you should have a contract in the beginning that protects you if things don't go wrong down uh, down the line. And, and frankly, we all hope that everything's going to go well, is going to go well for the rest of our careers, the rest of our building a business. But if you're an entrepreneur at the very beginning. You have to think, what's going to happen and how do I protect for, for myself from someone who might want to take my baby after I spent three or four years building my business and wants to take it away from me? And that's what they should do on day one, protect themselves. Absolutely. So uh, I want to flip the sides of that because we're talking, of course, to entrepreneurs. We're also talking to a lot of folks um, that may have worked for, for larger companies and, and you know, certainly the economy. Uh, hopefully, uh, you know, it, it will continue to provide opportunities uh, for individuals that, that are, you know, seeking opportunities. But employment agreements, you've already touched on this just a moment ago. And again, I'm chatting with Jotham Stein, principal of the law offices of Jotham S. Stein, um, with 25 plus years of experience representing entrepreneurs and executives. But what's the top thing that people can do to protect themselves when entering into an employment agreement? So whether it's an employment agreement or an offer letter, if you have any leverage at all, you would want to have a, the, the offer letter employment agreement set out what happens if you get fired with or without notice. And, um, and, and the book does that. Uh, I, I talk about how to do that, how to negotiate, just like that CEO who's protecting him or herself at the very beginning before they even take over the roles of CEO, uh, they, they negotiate an agreement an employment agreement in their case to protect themselves if they get fired uh, or asked to leave or asked to resign, however you want to describe it, or forced out. Uh, and, and people just beginning, or the people you've just described now that are at mid-level managers or senior executives, they need, to have, they need to have offer letters that protect themselves if things go wrong down the road. What do I mean by protection? Um, you negotiate, uh, I'll give, just give some examples. Um, uh, if, if somebody fires me, if the employer fires me, you'll pay me a certain amount of severance, whether it's three months, six months, nine months, whatever. If you get fired, um, you want to have protection for your equity. If stock, stock options, profits, interests are important to you, then you want to have some accelerated vesting of that equity so it's protected and can't be taken back from you after all the hard work you do. Similarly, if like COBRA payments are important, healthcare payments, you want to negotiate some months of of company paid COBRA payments, premiums, um, when you get terminated. That's what I mean, um, that's what I mean by protection for, um, for mid-level managers or for senior managers. And in particular in this environment, uh, even um, uh, new people into the marketplace um, that are just taking their first, second job, mid-level managers, they have more leverage than, than they might otherwise think. And I talk about that in the book. 
And one, one reason we see is that all these companies are trying to do hiring now, and it's important to hire the right person. So that gives you some leverage, even if you're just starting out. That sure is important. Absolutely. Again, chatting with Jotham Stein, um, who is also the author of Executive Employment Law, Protecting Executives, Entrepreneurs, and Employees, where I, I know uh, you can learn a lot um, for really advice for every uh, you know entrepreneur and for employees. It's really a how-to guide for practitioners. But the newest book from Jotham is Negotiate Like a CEO. I can't say it enough. I love the title. So, Jotham, I have to ask just as we come to a conclusion in this conversation, what inspired you to write the book? Well, two things. One is, uh, as I said earlier in the show, um, they don't teach this stuff anywhere that I know of, um, certainly not in MBA school and, and not even in, the, like I said, a school of experience or the school of hard knocks. So I figured after 25 plus years of experience, I'd write a book that would really help entrepreneurs, help small business owners, help executives, help everybody in employment um, to protect themselves because they don't have full information and you can't negotiate well for yourself unless you have full information. And my book provides that information. The other thing that inspired me to write the book is that I wanted to have fun. And so uh, about 40% of the book um, is uh, our fictional stories. They're genres that repeat themselves over and over again in employment. I made up interesting characters and they underscore um, what I'm writing about. So for example, one of the titles of these small stories, these vignettes, is your, uh, your offer letter sucks. Um, and that talks about a bad offer letter, for example. Um, and there are others like that, um, that underscore what I'm talking about. And, and, and I had a real fun time writing that book, part of the book. Awesome. Well, I've certainly learned a lot already in our conversation. I know that I have a lot more to learn from Negotiate Like a CEO. So where can our listeners pick up a copy? And of course, where can they get in touch with you? They can pick up a copy at Amazon.com uh, and just type in Negotiate Like a CEO and you'll be able to buy it off of Amazon. Uh, and uh, if they want to learn more about me, they can go to the website, which is negotiatelikeaceobook.com. Negotiatelikeaceobook.com. Well, there'll be information about the book. There'll be some of the couple of vignettes for you to read and, and a contact page uh, to get a hold of me if you'd like to do that. I appreciate your time. Uh, that's a wrap for us. Welcome back to Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Get on my website, shalomkline.com. And while you're on the web, check out healthplanchicago.com. That is how you get in touch with our good friend from Get Down to Business, the guru of everything health insurance. That's Tom Mirabali, healthplanchicago.com. Uh, and he can answer all of your questions on a free consultation about the Affordable Care Act health insurance. Um, but, you know, each and every week at about this time in the program, I like to share some tips. Today, I want to talk about working effectively from home. Um, and yes, I'm having this conversation specifically about working from home in 2022. We know that some people have gotten addicted to that idea of being somewhere between their refrigerator and their desk at all times during the day. But the reality is that some people work really, really effectively from home. It's become more and more common for a lot of employees. So I'm curious, if you work from home, get, definitely get in touch with me, shalomkline.com. Click the contact page. I always love to hear from our listeners. But I did put together some of the tips that I've heard from some of our listeners from some of the things that I've read about how to uh, most effectively work from home successfully. If you've never worked from home or worked remotely, it can be challenging for you. Working from home can mean that you have more flexibility in your job, but this luxury can turn into a missed opportunity if you don't maximize your potential. Working from home can you make you very productive if you cut out distractions. 
Some people think that working from home is actually too distracting. That isn't necessarily true. Working from home can actually increase productivity if you know how to work at home properly. So today I'm gonna to share a couple of tips on how you can do this too. I'm also gonna cover some work from home best practices that can help you boost your productivity. So uh, the first thing that I wanted to share is about setting rules. Yes, that's right, rules not only for yourself but also for those around you. A tip for working from home effectively is to create r- rules for people around you. If you've got kids, maybe even another adult working from home, then it would be best to tell them your meeting times, explain the meeting times, they cannot disturb you. For example, put up a sign when you're in a meeting to help kids remember. You also need to set rules about what your, cans, what your kids can do while working. You don't want your kids screaming because they're playing or while you're on an important meeting. Ask for what you need. To work from home well, you need the right equipment. Make sure you have a webcam for meetings, a laptop or a monitor, a work phone, a mouse. Try to get these things as soon as you realize you need it because sometimes it will take time for these items to be shipped if you're getting them from your company. Make sure you have a dedicated office space. This is really important. Another tip for working from home effectively is to have a dedicated office space. If you could have a separate room, that's excellent. If you do not have a separate room, make sure that you have a space that you could set up to work at every day. Leaving physical space lets your brain know that you're off of work so you can relax. Working in the same space where you like to relax can confuse your brain and cause you not to relax properly. And to-do lists, yes, that's right. Some people love to-do lists, some people hate it. But if you're having trouble working from home and want tips to work remotely, Try using a to-do list or a planner. You can make it part of your morning routine to create a to-do list of all the things you need to do at work that day. You can even create a plan based on how much time you think each task will take. You can also create a list with the most critical tasks at the top if you like to use a planner. Try creating a schedule for the day. This will motivate you to get your jobs done in an allocated amount of time. This helps you sort out your day and your head, and you're more likely to complete your goals some great journals, some great to-do list templates that are out there. Make sure you create a stress-free space. Tip to work remotely is to have a stress-free space um, because working from home can be exhausting. Some people find it hard to leave work mode. If that's you, it's okay. Establish an area where all you do is relax however you choose to do it. If you're having trouble getting out of work mode, it has a stress-free hour for relaxing to your routine. Yes, respond to emails, phone calls, and voicemails quickly while you're working from home. Make sure you're doing it during work hours. You might be wondering how to work from home effectively with all those emails. If your coworker is too pushy, have a friendly conversation about expectations. If you solve issues with phone calls, then do so. Phone calls resolve issues usually quicker because there's fewer misunderstandings when using the phone versus email. Eat and sleep. Yes, I joked earlier about a refrigerator but a working from home tip to working effectively is to get the right amount of sleep for you and to eat healthy. When you work from home, it can be tempting to eat at your desk or go to your kitchen or snack out of boredom, but it's not beneficial to eat unhealthy. Maintaining a good sleep schedule is an excellent way to stay focused and energized the next day. So make sure you get enough rest. And walk, walk during your breaks, that's right. When you're working from home, it can be exhausting to stay in the same place and focus on the same thing all day. So to work from home, Go outside if it's safe to do so, or walk, or even just sit outside during a work break. A change in scenery can make you feel refreshed. Getting some fresh air will make you be more productive. If you want to work from home well and be productive, cut out as many distractions as possible. Figure out what's a distraction for you. For example, if you've got a TV in your office space and you're tempted to move the TV out of your office, if social media is distracting, then try muting notifications during, during work hours. When you eliminate distractions, you can fully focus on working and won't be distracted throughout the day. 
And finally, finally, if you prefer to answer phone calls, let people know that that's your preferred method of communication. But if you get more work done while answering emails or through your company chat application, let your coworkers know that as well. This allows you to get back to people quicker and work from home well. So again, recap on some best practices. Keep regular hours for your, for your work. Schedule breaks. Make sure you get dressed for work each and every day. Set a routine, a schedule. Interact with your coworkers. Keep track of your progress. Create a video call space. Keep it professional. Make sure you have a good internet connection. And finally, finally, socialize. I hope you find all these tips helpful. I'll post them all on my blog on my website, shalomkline.com. That's also where you can download the past eight plus years. The show is all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And by the way, while you're online, you could also go to your favorite podcast app and subscribe, rate, review, and share. Get down to business because it makes it easier for others to find all about our program, which is all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Quick break. We've got more tips, advice, and information when we return in just a moment. Don't touch that dial. Welcome back to the Down to Business this Show, all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Thrilled to be joined by Russ Morgan and Joey Muir from Wealth Without Wall Street. Such an important conversation because we know that the Wall Street mindset, mindset separates families, entrepreneurs, and business owners from their money, while others use it for their advantage. We're going to talk all about it with these two legends, um, the founders of Wealth Without Wall Street. Again, Russ Morgan and Joey Muir, welcome both to the program. Oh, thank you for having us. We're we're glad to be here. Absolutely, Joey. Yeah, thanks, th- uh, thanks so much. And we're gonna have a fun conversation over the next little bit. So I love to get to know the uh, the people in this case behind the microphone. Um, Joey, we'll start with you for a moment. If you can uh, just very very briefly uh, tell our listeners a little bit of uh, what brought you into uh, the whole uh, world of uh, of business and why you're so passionate about what you do. And I'll tell you, um, the story of Wealth Without Wall Street is really the story of every um, kind of budding entrepreneur. Because at the end of the day, there's a point where you wake up, and at least I did, and I was on this path of this hamster wheel of creating more and more income that never really created freedom. And I was in that corporate world of mortgage finance. And I looked up and I was working 50, 60, 70 hours a week sometimes and could not connect with my own family when we were on vacation because I was constantly stuck on my phone, had to take that next phone call, couldn't let it go because if I stopped producing the income, stopped coming in and I met my good friend Russ and he introduced me to this idea that I could take back control of that financial um, situation and create financial freedom through passive income. Mm -hmm. And once I got the taste of that and started to see results personally, I got really, really passionate about telling people that this was possible. And that kind of started Russ and I on this journey to creating the movement that is now Wealth Without Wall Street, helping people to stop trading time for money. Absolutely. And we're going to talk all about that philosophy as, as, as it is. Um, so, but Russ, over to you. I know that uh, between you and Joey, you're, you're both serial entrepreneurs. You operate quite a few uh, different uh, rentals, some different business entities. And I know you're very, very passionate about that mindset and that, that approach. 
But what brought you into the fold? Well, I was actually a, a typical certified financial planner. I was doing all the things that um, we tell people not to do now, like retirement planning and, and you know investments, all the things where we give money away to Wall Street. And it was the 2008 crash where I was awoken to the fact that I was not in control as much as I thought I was. I was not the financial genius that I thought I was because of the rising market. And it sent me into a kind of a journey to learn what ways could I help create financial freedom for myself and then ultimately for the people that I was serving. Mm -hmm. And Joey happened to be in the pathway of that. Mm -hmm. And as he mentioned, I shared a story with him that helped him see that his money was not in a place that he could control. And since 2010, right, he and I have really, uh, both from a professional relationship, whenever uh, I was uh, his, uh, his advisor and he was a client to the point where in 2004, uh, 2014, when we joined forces, We've been looking for ways to create income streams that exceed our monthly expenses. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm really, really interested because we're talking to fellow entrepreneurs in Chicago and beyond. And, you know, right now with uh, hopefully, you know, the economy continued to to hopefully improve and, you know, COVID hopefully is in the rearview mirror. Um, you know, everybody wants to get to that point of zero debt. But I know that the two of you share a philosophy that chasing zero debt never gets you anywhere. Can either of you uh, talk a little bit about why why you believe firmly in that approach? Yeah, debt freedom, while it is emotional, it's something that I think we, we can all get behind. If you, you know, my wife was a dentist and had $175,000 in student loan debt. And many of her, you know, colleagues that as they were graduating dental school, the first thing they could think of was how am I going to get rid of this debt? And, and that's a natural approach. But debt freedom does not equal financial freedom. Because you can't, no, no matter what, you get rid of all the debt, you still have payments. The payments for gasoline for the car, payments for groceries, right? The, the payments for the uh, light bill at the house that you own outright. Whatever it may be, you never get rid of life's expenses. And so the, the idea of trying to get to zero debt does not get you in a position where you have income. So we share that financial freedom is when your passive income, that's money that comes in from things that you're not working in, is greater than your monthly expenses. That's when you're financially free. And it doesn't matter if you have millions or billions of dollars in debt, as long as that income stream that doesn't require your, um, your effort or your time is greater than your monthly expenses, you're truly financially free. Sure, absolutely. Again, I'm chatting with Russ Morgan. Joey Muir, and they are the founders of Wealth Without Wall Street. Certainly, a, uh, it's, it's beyond a business and beyond um, a, uh, a training opportunity, but it's also it's, it's a mindset. And we're going to have to cut the break in just a moment, um, but uh, I want to jump back over to you, Joey, and uh, talk a little bit about how you have uh, experienced business ownership yourself um, and what that journey has been like. Yeah, so I think, um, as I mentioned before, I became very passionate about this idea, and it led me down this path to say, we need to, we need to get the word out more. Like, what can we do to get the word out more? And so when Russ and I joined forces in 2014, it was natural for us to then say, how can we get this word out? We started a podcast in 2017, and that led us to not having just a... Uh, what I would call an S quadrant business, mm -hmm. like where we're just self-employed people doing all of the work ourselves, it sure. forced us to move into this B quadrant 
and hire coaches well, and have. Well, I want to I want to touch more on that in a moment. We're going to cut to break, uh, but sure. more from Joey Muir and Russ Morgan from Wealth Without Wall Street when we return and get down to business in just a moment. And we're back on Get Down to Business, the show all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. And that's exactly what we're talking about over here. I'm chatting with Russ Morgan and Joey Muir from Wealth Without Wall Street, hearing their inspirational story of uh, both being serial entrepreneurs, but being really, really passionate about financial literacy, financial education. Uh, so just before the break, we started talking about chasing zero debt. It doesn't get you anywhere. And uh, I know, Russ, you are so passionate, uh, as is Joey, of course in uh, helping uh, to lead to financial freedom. So, Russ, can you teach us a little bit about uh, about the approach that you follow and, and, and how you are inspiring folks? Well, we, we believe that there's three steps to getting to financial freedom. We actually wrote a book about it. And the, the first step is having a, a clear goal of what you want. And secondly, is building a pathway that's aligned with who you are as an investor. And third is building a support system of people around you that can help you get to where you want to go to faster. And I, I think, Sean, the, the thing that entrepreneurs have is that they are unique. There's only like 7% of the world is out there that are truly entrepreneurs. The other 93% of the people work for us. And because of that, that means a lot of times we are blazing trails that we don't have other people to bounce ideas off of. And one, one of the things I think Joey and I have done right over the time is that we built a community of entrepreneurs. It's about 5,500 people. It's offline. You can go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash passport to get access to this community. And that group is where we, we spend all our time and effort. And I think that's where we see people prospering because they're able to ask questions of other people that are exactly in the same place or have been where they are, are, are heading and they can get insight and info from those. That's huge. That's awesome. That's fantastic. And so just before the break, Joey, you were actually uh, inspiring us talking about your own uh, business journey as well. And so, you know, we're having this conversation in, uh, in I can't believe it, mid-2022. And uh, I know you're passionate about helping others. Um, and you've talked about that, that journey that, uh, that you've been on yourself. So where do you see things in a couple of years from now with uh, podcasts and books that you've written? Where, uh, if we have this conversation in 2027, where where will where will wealth without Wall Street be? I think uh, wh where we're headed, Shalom, is is doing more of the same that Russ just mentioned, continuing the to grow. We have a passive income mastermind that is a support system. It's a place for high level entrepreneurs, accredited investors, to learn the cutting edge passive income strategies that are available to them and having the infrastructure and the tax strategies to make more and keep more of the money that they're they're earning. The same is true for those of the people that are in our community that are not accredited. We have the inner circle. And so they're learning the same things. What are the passive income strategies that are working today? The cutting edge, the, to, the things that, not that worked 10 years ago, but what are happening today that I can take advantage of and the community of people that are on that same path so that I can tweak wherever I'm headed to make sure I'm getting to my goal. Um, those are the things I feel like are going to get more and more robust within our community. As you mentioned, the book that we wrote, it, it's coming out this summer. And um, I think that there will be a, a whole new wave of people that will engage with us through that medium and allow them to, to grow their own passive income strategy as a result. 
Well, I've taken a lot of notes in this conversation. There's a lot of things that I think uh, to learn in uh, through Wealth Without Wall Street. I'm excited for the upcoming book. Certainly want to tune into all of the interviews that both of you have been on. Um, you're all about teaching folks, inspiring folks uh, to change their way of life. And I know you've got a lot more to share than we've been able to squeeze in in our uh, 12 minutes together. So where can people learn more and get in touch? Yeah, go again to wealthwaltwallstreet.com forward slash passport. Gives you access to a community, gives you access to a free course to help you understand who you are as an investor, the things that you're looking for, uh, the things that are going to inspire you to take that next step so that you don't fall short of what's really, truly financial freedom. Wealth.wallstreet.com forward slash passport. That's awesome. Thank you, Russ. Joey, appreciate your time very, very much. That's a wrap for us here on the show. All about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. You can get on my website, shalomkline.com to download the past eight plus years of shows. We'll be back next Sunday with another episode all about small business jobs and entrepreneurship. Until then, to success, let's get down to business. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.